Hello, listeners. Thank you for tuning in to the Consulting Corner podcast. My name is Martin Andy Peterson, and I'm here with my good friend and colleague, Carl Varga. I run a company called Way In Consulting, and my greatest passion, apart from building my own company, of course, is helping others succeed with theirs. Through Way In Consulting and my partners, I help companies find their way into new markets, offering a one-entry solution to help you save time and money when going international. And I currently manage a consulting firm called Traveling Esquire Consulting here in Copenhagen, Denmark, where we help Nordic companies expand throughout the EU and to the Americas. I find great joy in helping founders and their companies get over their next hurdle on their path to success. And I use my many years of the experience as a California business attorney, helping startups and SMEs to now helping Nordic companies grow internationally. And with that being said, let's jump right into the episode. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Consulting Corner podcast. Uh, we're once again back here at lovely Cafe NoHo in sunny Copenhagen. This is, as always, Martin Andy Peterson with Way In Consulting. And I am Kyle Varga with Traveling Esquire Consulting. We're here today with Andrea Orlando from Italy, who is a startupper and business angel investor. Andrea, please tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll jump right into the episode. Yes, so um, uh, as you said, I'm from Italy. I moved to Denmark in 2010. I was a headhunted for a corporate job back then, and I stayed in corporate up until three years ago. Uh, then I did an MBA, uh, which showed me um, wh- where and what I really wanted to do, which was startup, uh, digital ecosystem, uh, entrepreneur, business angel. So um, since then, I've invested in, uh, in three startups. I've co-managed some of them. I've participated to several um, uh, board, advisory board, and professional board. And today I'm generally active in the startup scene here in the Nordics. Awesome. Um, Oh, cool. So it sounds like um, you you, you do take a lot of active participation in in, in the companies that you both invest in or or, or get part of the the organization. But you also mentioned the... The, the board activity. Could you Correct. could you explain a little bit more about the importance of, of that? Sure. The way I see it, um, a founder or co-founders always uh, need some sort of a sparing partner um, for for strategic decisions. Now, sometimes they they can afford that by having a senior full time employee on board. Uh, sometimes they're at a very early stage um, so what they can do they can start engaging with an advisory board which may turn into a professional board at a later stage so advisory board it's um, a, a, a steering body for very early stage company which usually work based on pro bono and and and, and serves as a sparing partner for the senior management team, for the co-founding team, or for the founder. Usually, um, from my experience at least, advisory board um, boards operate on a quarterly basis. Um, they meet on an agenda which is set up from the senior management, from the, from the founder, and they provide uh, advice, inputs, direction, um, wearing the hat of somebody, sure, who does not have a stake in um, in the company, but surely is doing that because it sees in the company something valuable to, to be developed further. So advisory board uh, for me at, at this stage are a, a must have 
for um, for all the, the startups uh, which are you know from, from six months old um, onward. Uh, what I've usually done in my career as a startup or as an entrepreneur, I've helped few companies building the advisory board. Why do I do that? Because I, I like being part of a, um, of a virtuous network. I like uh, witnessing the development of an early stage company which will, will blossom into something valuable. I like sitting at an advisory board with other valuable members of the Danish business community, whether they are startuppers or they are corporate people. Because not all the time advisory board are composed by startuppers. Actually, in fact, it's always great to have to consider to have people from mature industries that can uh, signal you can uh, or can give you feedback uh, towards a, a defined um, a defined objective, which might be something you want to pursue uh, when you are a little bit more mature as a company. So okay. what kind of like skills and experiences and I guess, uh, you know, like CV essentially of what, what are we looking for and when we look for a professional advisor or advisory board, you know, what are the, what are the things that we need to pay attention to? Well, I guess my advice is to keep um, two features in mind when you seek for an advisory board, um, which are two features which are complementary somehow. One, there, is to be, there has to be chemistry. So I am the founder and the CEO of a company. I want somebody I can talk to. So maybe sometimes I like an advisory board member who talks a lot. Maybe sometimes I like an advisory board member who doesn't talk a lot. That depends on the single case. So there, there has to be professional slash personal chemistry, right? Mm -hmm. Then the second feature, depending on the, uh, on the startup journey, on the startup maturity, uh, will be compensating specific skills that I need for my company to succeed. So maybe I'm a startup which needs um, uh, a little bit of help uh, on, on setting up the, the digital marketing. Why not having somebody with th that sort of experience? Maybe I'm a startup who needs uh, help in lobbying with a specific industry, maybe um, container industry maybe music industry so why not get somebody that can open certain gates right? Yeah, right. so it's actually a, a, a way of, 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 of boosting your internal team if you're not I mean if you don't if you feel like not all not all competencies are, are covered within the team then Correct. you can get external people Correct. To the tricky part uh, from the, the founder point of view is that these senior people will work for you for free pro bono as I said so I really have to make a value proposition for them to be engaged. Otherwise, uh, they might not be willing to spend even four hours a quarter. It's something they don't see the benefit. So then we then we go into you know being charming enough, making a value proposition for them interesting enough, uh, make sure of using the the advisory board members who are already on board. As, a, as part of that value proposition, if you join us, you will interact with the Mr. and Mrs., which, by the way, are senior executive here, and they would be, it would be interesting for you to, to, to hear how they think and how they're reasoning 
when they are involved in an advisory board. So that's always very, very, very delicate because at a startup you have little or no money and yet what you're doing, you're inviting senior member with, with often high salary to be part of your journey. They will do it for free, it happens, but you have to be really good, not sounding fake and sounding authentic in your value proposition. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm, I'm under the impression that, uh, that that an advisory board, they, as you mentioned, it's 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 more of a sparring partner. Uh, so does that mean? How, how does that uh, translate into legal? Uh, you know, uh, uh, do, I mean, does the things they they actually advise the, the the company about is that is that legally binding in some way or? That's a very good question. So what I've seen so far as a legal requirement for advisory board is only a confidentiality agreement. Okay. So no need for insurance or anything like that? No, yeah. because the advice are not binding in any way. Okay. So you ask me, shall I launch this product? And I say, well, according to my experience, that, not, that might not be a great idea. Then it's up to you. We are not uh, any any way connected in any legal way, which is very different from a professional board, right? Because then we step into liability, because uh, also the the professional board is the liaison between the management and the shareholder, and then we go into you know minority rights, uh, right, right. making the um, creating value for whole for the whole shareholders, not mm -hmm. only for the majority of shareholder, right? It's a different game. That's why a professional board will start asking compensation, mm -hmm. right. which uh, in my experience could be both in either in shares or uh, in, in a cash compensation or both of them. Mm -hmm. So if we are on the shares side of compensation, industry says, industry, uh, startup practice says between half and one point percentage per year uh, per professional board member mm -hmm. right depending on what I bring to the table in terms of in terms of uh, professionalism um, cash compensation depends always um, the, on the seniority and on the type of uh, uh, on the type of agreement that I, that I managed to negotiate with the founder so um, yeah that, that could be a good benchmark between 0 0.5 and 1% of the company values per year as compensation for being part of your professional board of director. And at what time in the company's life cycle are we looking to move from advisory board to professional board? I mean, what are, what are good indicators of now it's time to bring on a professional board? I would say as soon as you switch in a, in a seed mode towards Serie A uh, mode. So I'm talking. I'm talking now with with a financial perspective. So as soon as you are raising um, one million euros, uh, aiming for four or five million euros, it means that the complexity of the company needs selected skills at the table now, mm -hmm. and you cannot mess around anymore. Mm -hmm. um, that will be my uh, my my cho my, my, my chosen uh, point of reference for switching. Now, some, co some company can afford that, some company cannot afford that. Uh, either, either, in either cases, you should at least have an advisory board. Mm -hmm. I, I, as an investor, and maybe we can touch upon that, 
I would be very skeptical in investing in a company with one or two founders with no advisory board. That's a clear signal that they, they think they know it all, they think they, they know how to tackle all the challenges, and they think uh, engaging with an advisory board, it's a waste of time. Mm. That's that's uh, that's that's really interesting because I, I mean I'm 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 not under the impression that, uh, that that uh, startups have that knowledge, you know, uh, and, and 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 I mean of course there are there are many uh, on um, uh, there are many there are many bridges to be made between between investors and startups. Uh, I think we can agree agree on that, uh, but I definitely think that that. The reason for not having an advisory board as a startup is is not to come off as uh, a know-it-all. Uh, I think it's merely a matter of, of focusing resources on the project you're working on and yeah. finding investors. And so I think it's, yeah. So yeah. I think it's a really I think it's a really valid point that you that you actually say well, it's you're you're more or less in your eyes at least uh, you're more or less disqualified if you if you look for funding but you don't have. Uh, an advisory board. Uh, yes. So that's really interesting. Uh, and I've seen them all. I've seen them all. I've seen uh, um, one or two men companies uh, on their uh, startup journey, which looked more like an ego trip uh, with no advisory board, and the founders were the board and were the chairman of the board, and they were everything. I've seen company at the very early stage with uh, m maturity. Uh, to say we need external competences. Mm. I've seen company companies at the later stage uh, which were having a professional board as a facade mm. really to comply with right. whatever governance they were um, supposed right. to comply but then not using them as a sparing partner, not using as a gate opener or, or anything like that, mm. right? And guess what? I mean, uh, I cannot go into into statistics, and, and, and I, maybe I cannot be hundred percent sure. But the companies who are succeeding are those who really made the best of the surrounding competencies in uh, in terms of stakeholders, in terms of uh, professional boards, in terms of advisory boards. So, so apart uh, apart from statistics, probably speaking in favor of, of doing it the way you you explain. I mean, what do you have some kind of uh, do you have some kind of input or, or advice to? Because I've I've seen I've seen several examples of, of people surrounding themselves with what they would define as a professional board, but basically it's uh, you know husbands and wives and uh, cousins and uh, best friends and so on people who won't uh, take a, a like a, a critical stand towards the the, the owner. Uh, so I mean. I guess you're talking to the ego again, but but how do you? Uh, is there any way of, of kind of convincing them that that the professional, the real professional board, is the way to go? Um, if you need to have that conversation, if you need to convince somebody, uh, how important could be an advisory board? Um, for me, it's a hint that you're gonna have a lot of conversation about convincing the the value. Of a, a lot of other things that that play a role in a startups, which uh, might be dilution uh, discussion, which might be uh, legal advice, and so on and so forth. So, if you really need to convince 
a CEO or a founding team about the importance of the advisory board, then for me it's already a red flag. Uh, the, the success cases I've seen in my, in, in my professional life, uh, they all welcomed with enthusiasm the possibility for me to help them building an advisory board. Uh, granted, I do this uh, for free. I do it, as I say, because I, I believe in being part of a, of a virtuous uh, network. Um, but uh, I'm sure, I'm sure that they all see the, the, the benefits and the value of being surrounded by senior professional with competencies that, at the moment, were not covered within the startup. Mm -hmm. But are there those, all those are those cases too, where people just get the advisory board to check a box? to show that they have it, right? I mean, you and I were at a springboard recently and we were talking to a, a very well, like looked like a well-polished company and they said they had an advisory board, but they never went back and checked it with them, right? They never went back and checked on their KPIs and make sure that they were actually following through on everything that they were supposed yeah. to be, right? So how do you, how do you, like, I, and I mean, Mike, I guess the question here is then, how do we incentivize startups to actually look at these people as resources that they should, they should be, um, you know, using as much as they can rather than just people to check boxes? And that's a good point because um, I guess advisory board are not mandatory, right? So, so, so it's not really about checking a box. It's it's about making a slide in your PowerPoint mm -hmm. deck, which makes your company attractive enough, mm -hmm. right? But as you and I have seen that particular case, because everybody everything else was falling apart, the advisory board was not uh, per se a sufficient point for, for us to say, because it has an advisory board, it's really strong. Mm -hmm. so, so I guess a holistic approach at the rest of the startup um, 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 features will be the best way to understand if the advisory board is doing the job. Yeah, that's fair. Right, so if the startup is uh, it's never had, if the startup is producing uh, some sort of appliance and never had a discussion about intellectual property, if the startup uh, is not mature in, in its own market, in its own market, and is discussing already international expansion, it means that the advisory board is not doing the job. Or they're not listening. Or they're not listening, yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah. so, so that then you can have all the slides uh, in your deck. Yeah. But if, if a business angel with a little bit of experience will understand that. Yeah. So to, to rephrase this, having an advisory board is, uh, is necessary, but it's not sufficient mm. for make the startup successful. Because then all other variables kick in, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Okay. And this, this is, of course, part of a bigger conversation. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. And let's, let's shift gears a little bit, like you were saying. So back to the going to the investment side, right? What are, as an investor, what are you looking for? What are the, the metrics and things you're looking for other than like, you know, a good board, you know, like, you know fill in the blank here, I guess. What, what are you looking at as when you're looking at investors? Sure. And I'm sure the listeners have, have, have heard this a lot, uh, that uh, a mediocre team with a, with a Kika's product is worse than... Uh, uh, mediocre product with a Kika's team, right? right. Yeah. And and the reason for that is that Kika's team will always have the capabilities to pivot mm -hmm. 
and understand maybe this is not the right direction. So obviously for me, team comes first. Team in two specific features. One is the chemistry and the complementary skills that a team uh, brings with itself, right? So do we have the business, the tech, the design guy on board? Is, is a fintech startup? Do we have the financial skills on board? So there, 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 there is the need of having complementary skills on board. Feature number one. Feature number two is stamina. It's not an easy job being a founder. It's not an easy industry, this general early stage company. You need stamina. You need stamina at the beginning because you will be probably bootstrapping, which means you're working evenings and weekends. You need stamina right after that because maybe you need to develop, you need to persevere, or you need to pivot into some other things. And that takes stamina. So if the team proves to have these two features, that's already a great signal for me. And then we can move into a light due diligence, which involves financial parameters, product market fit, um, legal compliance uh, issues, and so on and so forth. That's, I, I mean, yeah, I guess we have all heard it before and, and, and the listeners may have heard it as well, but I still think that that's a really, uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting point and it's something that even though some startups might know it or have heard about it, that's not their main focus. I mean, I think when, when pitching a product or a project, it's, it's it very often starts out with something about the uh, technical side or the financial side of the project instead of making sure that, the, the as you say, the chemistry is right or, or focusing on, on promoting the, the, the different competencies within the team. And, and because, I mean, yeah, investors do invest in, in, in personal relations, basic, basically. Uh, so I think that's a, that's a really, really interesting point. Yeah. I, I don't know any respectable business angel who today invests in a one-man company. I don't know them anymore. I, 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 used, to, I used to know few. I guess uh, life has taught them a lesson or two. Uh, but that is not the case anymore. I, I, I don't know them. I, I don't see them around. I still see startups with a one with a one founder, mm. but I just see them at, at uh, initial pitches. I don't see them going anywhere yeah. uh, as per today. That depends, of course, on the maturity of the ecosystem. Uh, we, we are in a very mature and well-developed startup ecosystem, so it's 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 been it's been going on for, for some time. If we were in, in other parts of the world or of Europe, my guess is that we would still see uh, early stage company with one founder and, and business angels who, who do not do their due diligence properly and fall for the particular charm um, of, of a one founder, right? So if we put on the, um, the, the, the the international glasses, and maybe I'm bringing it a bit back to the discussion about uh, about board and board members and so on, but I was I was wondering what your take is on on uh, the the uh, 
the, the, the so to say the, the perfect number of, of board members I mean is there, is there a maximum for instance and would you would you suggest being very uh, um, uh, like like changing changing board members depending on for instance uh, which market which international market you're getting into or sure so uh, five is a number that I like for professional board members um, because uh, it's the right compromise in having a little bit more than the founders but not so many as the general assembly mm -hmm. right so f five is a number that I like and five is a number that I see a lot if it's uh, three it means that it's basically the founders and one of their wives if it's seven it means that all the shareholders somehow have managed to to squeeze a, a board seat but then you will not be able to decide anything during boards right so that that, that hopefully answer your question about the number regarding the skills obviously uh, hopefully the company matures because it's on a journey and it goes from being an early startup in beta testing to be uh, almost mature early-stage company with 1,000 users. And depending on the challenges, the board members that serve the startup at the beginning might not be the same that will serve the startup in the next step, in the next right. phase, right? right? So then it goes to the founders uh, or the CEO charisma and confidence to be able to say to some board members, we had a nice run. Mm -hmm. I don't need anybody that helps me on setting up the CRM anymore. Mm -hmm. I need somebody who can help me who can help me um, open up opening up the, the gates for the US market. Exactly. Thanks a lot. Uh, you if, if if there was a, a warranty agreement, the board member will get his, his fair share, but it should be it should be a very professional uh, departure yeah. on, on both sides. Yeah. That, uh, that that that's in theory what should happen. Should be seen as a natural evolution. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, because I guess I mean, most most professional board members are per se professional, so they've tried it before, and I mean, you probably don't sit on on, on boards for the rest yeah, of your and life. Yeah, right? and I can understand a, a board member that after three company after after three years in the startup finally sees the the um, equity value rising that does not want to give up two point two percentages point uh, of the last two you know two, two years that was missing on his warranty agreement i could see but we all have to be professional we have to have to bear in mind uh, that what we are pursuing here is creating value for the shareholders not for the single board members certainly not for the ceo or for any specific uh, uh, part of, of the of the companies and 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 then there are always other opportunities to pursue and, and especially, especially in a in a very small ecosystem like this, if a board member is is being unprofessional at any stage of the relationship, world would go out. Mm -hmm. World would go out. Mm -hmm. right? and I, I don't want to have that guy on my board. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So basically, the the. A, a, a main point is is to to for for yeah for startup companies to actually think of boards and board members as uh, something to help grow their businesses success successfully 
and not something just to check a box because you're an APS or an AES and it says so in the in in in, uh, in, in the legal system that you have to that you have to have a absolutely a that's role. a suggested approach, right? Mm. That's a suggested approach. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. Uh, I think that's a really good insights. Um, so as at the end, we usually do this uh, crucial considerations. Can you give us three uh, crucial considerations you have for our listeners? Uh, yes. So um, my first tip um, slash consideration would be to test um, professional um, cooperation before deciding um of a long-term uh, professional relationship. This applies uh, when I choose to have another founding member, but it's applied also when you choose to have a board member. So before giving up equity, before uh, um, giving up any type of compensation, uh, try to have um, try to have a, a test, beta trial, test, trial, trial period, period okay. uh, where, where you can um, test the, the, the chemistry, where you can test you know, this person has told me it will open up the, the U.S. market for me. Let me see if it, in three months. Right. And if that doesn't work out, a professional way for uh, for closing things could be, hey, during these three months, uh, I, I will give you 50% of any invoice revenue that you produce for my company. Mm. Right? I think that's a fair way of saying it didn't work out. You spent time with me. I think it's fair that I give you something back. But you're not going to be the professional board member. Mm-hmm. I was thinking. Right. So, so test as as much as you test product, as much as you test your co-founding team, test professional board members. Mm-hmm. Um, for an advisory board, it could be a little bit tricky. So you could test it by having uh, the agreement of renewing the advisory board every year, mm-hmm. because the advisory board is much lighter, mm-hmm. and because you only meet once a quarter. Right. After one year, you could say we decided to, 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 to change it in that way, mm-hmm. right? That's my tip number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, tip number two is for those who are seeking uh, um, an advisory board role is to get out of your comfort zone, be willing to do pro bono. Early stage startup mm-hmm. will not pay you, but you will be very much compensated by being part of a fantastic uh, and dynamic environment mm-hmm. and you'll be in close relationship with other uh, board members, which are have your seniority or sometimes even higher seniority. Uh, the last advice, the last tip I could give consideration is if you are an investor, uh, you should um, not treat all the startups equally. You should do your due diligence because they are, they might be on a different uh, um, maturity um, than, than the one that you expect. So if a founder has already some seniority, maybe it's not his, his first startup, don't start asking him about, did you do a founder's agreement? or Did you do uh, your, your, your survey in the market to test the dynamics? Because the founders will understand that there might, be, uh, there might not be a perfect understanding or, or where each other stays on this journey. Mm. Right? So, so you must pretend respect from the startups you want to invest you must give respect to the startup you, you, you are assessing by, by doing your due diligence as well. Okay. I hope that answers your questions. Yeah, very much. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks thank, a lot. Yeah, thanks for stopping by. It was great. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, that wraps it up for this episode today. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you found the information useful for you and your business. 
If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to me on Twitter at TravelingESQ or to Martin at MDMartin. Remember to subscribe to the Consulting Corner podcast wherever you get your pods and stay tuned for upcoming episodes.